This is Real Business in Real Time with executive coach Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Learn what C-suite execs and business leaders have learned in the real-time, real-world school of hard knocks. And now, here's your host, Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Hi, this is Mark Hinderleiter. Welcome to Real Business in Real Time. I'm executive coach and I hold a PhD in organization and management, but the truth is, my greatest lessons in business came from the school of hard knocks when I was a senior vice president for a billion dollar global company. So the purpose of this show is for listeners to benefit from the real world experiences of successful men and women willing to share their greatest lessons. My guest today is Mark Johnson. Mark is president of Xtree and an executive technology advisor with more than 25 years of successful results. Mark's a proven technology leader, a global chief information officer many times over, and an innovative problem solver and business leader. You know, what really intrigues me about Mark's experience is that he has big company experience. So think 100,000 employees big, as well as rapid startup company experience. Those are very different. He also has been the inside CIO and the external technology advisor in multiple industries. So that range of experience qualifies Mark as a graduate of the School of Hard Knocks, really worth listening to. Mark, welcome to Real Business in Real Time. Thank you, Mark. I really appreciate that very nice introduction. You betcha. So you and I have talked before, and I really am impressed with the breadth and depth of your experience. Not everybody has inside and external, and not everybody has kind of that big company and that and that small startup high growth experience. So that really is pretty unique and valuable. So today's topic is managing the risks of growth. Growth is every business's uh, aspiration. And Mark, you and I have both seen companies outgrow many of their systems and processes and hit some pretty good, what I call speed bumps during those growth periods. So from your experience, what speed bumps or barriers to growth do you see most often? Well, when we talk about speed bumps and scalability, you know, often leaders looked at the systems as the key to scalability, but I really want to look at three dimensions when we talk about scalability and making sure you avoid those speed bumps. So it all starts with building a plan. Your business should have a plan that outlines what your projected growth is and what are those future needs so that you can plan for these needs. And those three dimensions that should be part of that plan are these three areas. It's the systems. So you need to know internally, does your system have the ability to scale to meet your transactional needs as the company grows? But also you need to know, does the system have the ability to flex as your market and your customer demands flex? So we've seen industries go through changes and they need to make sure that their systems can accommodate those changes in the market very quickly and be agile, if you will, to the market demands. So that's the first dimension is the systems piece of it. But you also need to look at the processes and how do your processes scale? So with the way that you do business today, continue to work well 
as you grow and as you hit these milestones and these speed bumps. So an example I'll give you of, of business processes, a lot of small businesses, and I've seen even larger businesses do this, is they start off doing uh, data gathering and reporting using Excel spreadsheets. Yep. They send out Excel spreadsheets and gather data and get it back. And somebody in the back office is there and uh, aggregates all these spreadsheets. That may work for a little while, but that will hit a speed bump where that just doesn't work in a timely manner. So let's say you're gathering your customer information on Excel spreadsheets. You're eventually going to hit a point that you have too many transactions, too many customers to adequately gather that information in real time. So you need to look at processes as well with those systems to say, did those scale? Did the way we're doing things going to work in the near future? I'll give you a, a quick funny story about that previous life. So kind of a staffing Excel spreadsheet on a conference call. And what we discovered was uh, one person on the call had one spreadsheet that was completely up to date. And the person in the field on the call had a not quite up to date spreadsheet. And it was just a chaos you know, from just having almost similar, but not quite the same spreadsheet. It was, it was just madness. Yeah. You know, Mark, I've had several calls from CEOs that were upset about their IT organization said, my data doesn't match. And I have a technology problem. When we got into it, the problem was what you just described. They have too many versions of Excel spreadsheets. Yeah. They had more than a technology. They had a, a process problem as well. Right. right. And the third dimension that we should talk about when you talk about speed bumps is the people side. So can your people and your expertise scale? So a lot of times the skill sets that got to this point aren't the skill sets to take you to the next level. So yeah. you need to look at, do I have the bench strength and the right expertise to take me to that next level? And uh, traditionally, a lot of companies always thought that when I needed to tap more uh, resources, it was just, we got to go hire more people. And I see really savvy business leaders saying, let's look at other options too, such as uh, other external expertise that we can tap for those niche needs that we have or that very high-end expertise that we need for this specific need. So, you know, look at your resource pool, not just internally, but externally as well, and, and look at it as a whole and what's the best fit. Uh, for those resources to meet your growth needs. So a lot of times as a company growing, uh, hiring more people isn't the answer. Sometimes you have to look at other more creative ways of tapping those skills as you need them. Yeah, and those are critical discussions. They're sensitive discussions and have a long-term impact based on the decisions you make You know, within the organization. That's right. You're absolutely right. You know, Mark, I once had a CEO tell me kind of when they were in a growth phase and they were in their first kind of major system implementation. Here's what he said. My biggest concern is I don't know what I don't know. So how do executives even start to figure out what the next steps are when they have the blessing of growing and scaling your business? It's a great question, and, and it's, it's a very savvy business leader when they recognize what you just mentioned. I, th I thought exactly the same they thing. They know their business. They're not necessarily a technology expert, so that's, that's the first step is to say, I need a, a technology expert that I can trust and that I can tap to, to, to find these right answers. So the first step is 
to get that right technology expertise and that right technology leadership in place. Now, that may come internally, uh, but for a lot of small to mid-sized companies, they have a great IT leader that's running their day-to-day, but they may not be the right skill set and experience level to advise a CEO on the upcoming needs and to prepare a strategy. Those are areas you may need to go outside and find a more seasoned expert for that. So I would start with getting that right leadership advisor engaged with you. And then the second piece of that is to build the right plan. Just like great businesses have great business plans, great technology solutions have great plans that are aligned to the business. And they should have these four key pieces of a plan. So when I, I've talked to a lot of business leaders, says, you know, do you have a technology plan? And they pull out something that's like a sentence or two. I'm like, eh, that's probably not what we're talking about, a plan. So I would try to explain to them in a very high level what a good technology plan looks like. So part one of that plan is the plan supports your define business strategies. So what are the strategies that your business is trying to accomplish and what are the technologies you're going to need to support that? But you should go a step beyond that as well. So the second piece is you should say, how can we use technologies to enable new capabilities for us? How can we get better? How do we enable ourselves to make more money with new technologies or create new revenue streams through the use of technologies? So think about technologies not just supporting, but also enabling. And then the third component of this is what technology should we be tapping that are what I call change catalyst? So change catalyst are things that you can say this will change the game for us. It'll give us a competitive advantage in the marketplace or differentiate us. You know, I've worked with several companies where we were able to find an incredible change catalyst. And it really was a game changer for that business that gave them an advantage for uh, many years to come. So those change catalysts are really critical to including your plan. And then the fourth one, which often is overlooked and not as glamorous as the others I just talked about, is you have to invest in that core foundation. You know, a lot of times people say, well, I'm going to do all cloud solutions. Well, you still have to have a network that's reliable to connect to the internet, to connect to those cloud solutions. So you still have to have that rock solid network and that infrastructure to allow you to connect to your systems wherever they are. So don't overlook that. I've seen people make all these investments in cloud offerings And then their network's down once a week and they can't connect to them and things are in in chaos. So make sure your plan includes all four of those areas and is effective. You know, what you're describing there is helping that CEO I described just know how to ask the right questions and what the options are and starting with a vision and then really uh, kind of getting rolling your sleeves up and, and developing that plan that makes sense for that business. I'll tell you, On the people side, that's kind of my side of the business as an executive coach, doing the same thing, but uh, with a talent assessment is exactly kind of the same thing. Find the right coach or partner to help you take an objective look at the talent that you have and the talent that you're going to need and develop that roadmap, you know, to get there. 
So it's kind of the same thing, you know, just to to develop that talent plan to get you where you need to be. So I appreciate kind of your perspective on the technology side. It's not unlike what we would do on the talent side. That's right. You know, Mark, one of the things on the technology side, though, once you have that plan that's getting tougher and tougher is getting everybody unified on a plan. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, marketing has their plans, sales has their technology ideas, and each group kind of has their own little technology areas they'd like to pursue. And regardless of whether cloud offerings or how they want to go about them, you have to be unified in your plan. You have to know how all these pieces are going to fit together. I call it being strategic. So you have a master plan to how all those pieces will slot in. Don't let yourself become scattered. And, and you know, business leaders always say, Mark, I would never intentionally become scattered. And of course they wouldn't, but it's easy to happen today. It's easy to look up and this director went and bought this and this director went and bought this. And now all of a sudden you have a bunch of disparate parts yeah. that integrates together and it's very expensive and very difficult to pull it back together once it's uh, gotten to that state. Yeah, I have been, and again, in my previous corporate life, I can't tell how many meetings I've been in where one of the topics of discussion was, this system doesn't talk to this system or this platform doesn't talk to this platform. And it was an incredibly heavy lift to make make those disparate systems connect and, and feed data, you know, and it was expensive. It was a ridiculous time drain. And really, it was a heavy lift to, to get all that to happen. It's like this house you've seen that's been remodeled like five times, this old house, and it doesn't fit. You know, that room doesn't fit, and this room doesn't fit, and that addition doesn't fit. And, and yeah. so I've seen that on the inside, too, of systems just were poorly integrated, and it was really inefficient and expensive. Yeah. You know, another symptom of that, too, that you're describing, Mark, is even we both have probably been in companies where the CEO said, my numbers don't match. HR gave me a number and marketing gave me a number and in this other part, and my numbers don't match up. And it's because of what you just described. Everybody kind of has their own source that they're pulling from and those sources don't, don't match up. And that's very difficult when you're trying to run a business and you don't know which set of numbers are the right numbers. Several years ago, I walked into a uh, a regional VP's office. I mean, this regional VP was really good, and, and I could just see this look on his face, and I said, man, what's going on? And he said, I am blind. I cannot run my business because I don't know what numbers are accurate. It was kind of the middle of a system implementation, so going from 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 this financial platform or that financial platform and and in the middle of it he was getting two sets of data and couldn't react you know uh, intelligently because he was just blind so you can really handicap a business with different sets of data wrong sets of data and when people lose trust in the data that's a big deal absolutely right mark that's a great example So what risks in your experience, you know, when a CEO and that senior leadership team really is committed to scaling and growing their business and doing it the right way and they're getting this advice and that advice, what risks do they need to be aware of? You know, I've seen kind of over-investing, I've seen under-investing, I've seen investing in the wrong stuff. So back to that CEO that 
says, I don't know what I don't know, what risks do they really need to be aware of? Right. It's a great question. You know, most commonly what they, the one that first comes to mind for people is the cost and waste of valuable resources by making those missteps. Yeah. And that's important. We want to be cost effective in our investments. But actually the bigger impact is the impact of time and lost opportunities by making these missteps or uh, under investing or making the wrong investment. So for an example, what I mean by lost opportunities is let's look at the retail industry. So Amazon very meticulously over the years have invested in technology platforms and they, they have a plan and they're executing that plan. Meanwhile, a lot of traditional retailers continue the status quo and invested in the same internal systems, internally focused processes they did for years until one day they woke up and said, wow, Amazon's changed the game on us. Yeah. Now they're in catch-up mode and that opportunity has been lost and they have a big gap to make up. So it's devastating when you fall behind your competitors or your competitor has changed your market because they had a plan that they executed much more effectively than you did. So I always tell business leaders, Every industry and every business right now is in a digital transformation race. It's taking place. And so if you don't realize that you're in trouble, because by the time you may realize it, somebody's going to have a huge advantage on you and it's going to be difficult to recover. So you need to have your plan together for how you're going to compete in this race. And then the third piece, the third big risk I'll talk about when you don't make the right investments is cybersecurity risk. So it's one of those areas that business leaders kind of tend to put off until one day there's an issue or they see another company that has an issue, but then it's too late. So it has to be something that every business leader and board member keeps on the radar and stays after it in a very proactive manner. Uh, And they do that cybersecurity assessment the right way. You know, I think this happens a lot more than people realize. You know, we read about Target and MasterCard and all of that. But, uh, you know, when I was in a a, a midsize global company, I had my senior director of HRIS come to me and say, hey, this is kind of a curious thing. The, The CFO sent me a request for a lot of financial data And there was something that kind of just raised a red flag for her. So I said, forward that to me. And I got to looking at the request and something didn't look right about it. So I called the CFO and he said, I never, I never requested that. That that wasn't me. And so I forwarded it to our IT group. And when we really looked at it, the email that it came from was like really, really close to our CFO's email, but wasn't ex- like there was one thing off. Yeah. That when you're really busy and kind of running and gunning and doing our day jobs, easily could have missed that and provided that information. And and I had a very savvy uh, senior director of HRIS that it just kind of raised the flag. So that's not just MasterCard that's at risk or Target. Right. Absolutely right. And you know, the the example you're giving is the most common way that companies are exploited these days. It's through human exploits or social engineering is the way that companies are attacked. These hackers are realized that 
firewalls have gotten pretty good and they're hard to get through. And so, you know, a misstep that I see companies take is that they'll have their IT guys check their firewalls and all the technical stuff, but then they won't invest in training their employees and look at their business processes to make sure they're not exposed to the type of examples you just gave. That's your biggest threat is the human exploit. So again, make sure your cybersecurity view is comprehensive. Don't turn it over to some technical company that just looks at technical components, it needs to look at the people side of the business as well, because that's probably your biggest exposure. Yeah. And I have a client company where I heard the same story just a couple of weeks ago. You know, a very savvy hacker requested some proprietary information and it looked pretty authentic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, the receiver of that was pretty savvy and raised the flag. Yeah, thank goodness. And that's what you want. You want your employees to be your frontline protection, that they've been trained to detect that. So you can put all the back office stuff you want to, but the the people are still your best asset as long as you train them and you've made the right investments to protect against that. So for growing companies, the risks are real. We can overinvest and waste a lot of money. We can underinvest and really not get the competitive advantage we're looking for. We can invest in the wrong stuff, probably the worst, and not bring our employees in and be advocates. So, you know, CEO sitting in a chair listening to this or uh, maybe a chief technology officer, there are so many options in the world today, uh, whether it's business or, or, or anything else. What options should companies be looking at for scaling their IT platforms? It's more than just IT, it's technology. Sure. Well, the first area that so many companies want to look at today are the different cloud offerings and cloud solutions that are in the market today. And, and those cloud offerings do have some very compelling benefits and should be considered. But a cloud offering is not always the right solution. You know, they're, sometimes they're more expensive, they're less flexible, and they're more difficult to exit if you ever find out they're not a fit. So you, you have to make sure you look at what's the best solution for your particular business. So one of the things I always uh, recommend people do is take your personal bias out of the decision. So a lot of times I'll hear business executives talk about, well, I use this system at the other company and so must have been really good. Or I heard a colleague that used a system so that way, therefore, it may be the right solution. And I always say, they're not identical to your company. So we need to find the solution that's right for your company. So look at your particular business needs and then let's identify whether a cloud solution or other solution best fits those. A lot of times the answer we find is a hybrid solution. So a lot of companies today are turning to uh, cloud solutions are very compelling for what we call commodity type of technology. So commodity technology is email, a phone system, technologies that you just need it to work. It's not going to be a competitive advantage or anything strategic. You just need it to work every day and get yep. you email and the phone needs to ring. Those are great platforms for the cloud because they just run it and they keep it going for you at a very low cost. And then the, the hybrid side is that allows the company to focus their internal people and their internal resources on those strategic areas, those areas that are going to be a differentiator that they want to really keep close to the company and really uh, use to to give them an advantage. So those hybrid solutions are sometimes a real good uh, uh, way to go. So I'll give you an example of a client we worked with recently and kind of how they walked through this process. So 
they had a core platform that they ran their entire business on. They had custom developed it over 10 years. So very invested in it, spent a lot of money building this team. And so a lot of executive members were very biased and, and invested in their opinions of how that platform was and, and what they should continue to that platform. So one of the things we brought to the table is to bring that unbiased voice to the table to say, look, we don't have that history. We're going to simply help you evenly evaluate your options and pick the one that's the best platform going forward. So we looked at all the different choices. So we said, what would it take to upgrade the current system you already have and to build it where it'll handle and scale to your future needs? So that's option A. The other thing we looked at is what would it take to build a new platform that's just built for those future needs and in position of the future? And then the third is we looked at several cloud offerings that were out there that were just already built to do it. You didn't need to be in the development business. They are already built and, and it would meet your needs today. So we looked at all those options. And the great news is if you can go through a logical process like that and take the unbiased views out of the mix, the answer becomes so obvious. And when we got through this process, every member of the executive team said, wow, this is a no-brainer. The, the dollars and cents speak for themselves. You know, this solution is going to give us exactly what we need and save us millions of dollars over the course that we were on. So if you can get the right plan, the right leadership place, it can really lead you to the right course of action that's going to set you up for the right future. Yeah, yeah. Hey, great lessons learned. So as you kind of think back, what are the real common mistakes that you've seen in scaling and the real costs of those? Kind of real-world mistakes in the costs to the company. And how can executives avoid those? Sure. You know, a couple of them we've talked a little bit before earlier in the call. Must have the right leadership yep. and technology, but must have a clear plan with the right targets and the checkpoints, unified buy-in critical to making sure you make the right investments. The other thing I talk about is another mistake I see is that a lot of times companies want to start with what I call the beauty contest. They go out and kind of pick out the system they think is the best or perceive as the best. And that's not where you start. You start with saying, what's our business needs? What's the optimal way for our business to work today and into the future? Lay out those processes and then determine what system would best fulfill those particular uh, business needs. You know, the, the killer for a budget is customization. Oh, my goodness. I have, I have seen that. <laughs> You've seen that, yeah. So, you know, don't buy a system and then completely re-engineer it and customize it to go back to the old way you've always been doing things. Find their optimal business processes and find the system that fits that. And then I always tell people, use the system for six months and see how it fits your business. Then if you say there's a few things we might need to tailor to make it work a little more effectively, great. But don't let that initial project get off the track by re or customizing and re-engineering a system to begin with, that that's going to really kill you. That scope creep is going to kill you. Yeah, I didn't invent this saying, but I resonate to it. It's it's called paving a cow path. 
And so it's investing in, you know, an upgraded system to do exactly what you used to do. Right. And, and the cost of that, Mark, I've seen what was supposed to be a $15 million or so implementation become a hundred plus million dollar implementation. That's right. Uh, that nobody was really happy with. Not nobody, but a lot of people weren't really, the business people weren't really happy with the product. So how uh, can an executive team guard against that scope creep that costs them time and money? Well, I'd first start with, you got to have the right leadership guiding such an initiative like that. You know, I see a mistake where uh, the company will just take somebody else to the company that's already got a full-time job and said, oh, can you also uh, manage this huge initiative, this multi-million dollar initiative? And that's a mistake. You know, there's a difference between being a day-to-day operator being a, versus being a great project implementer yeah. and having expertise and been down this course and know those pitfalls to look for and how to guide you through that. So hire that right leader, whether that's a, a, a seasoned veteran that's been through these kind of implementations before that can guide you through that. Make sure you have the right person in place and listen to their guidance. Don't let yourself be undisciplined when you go through these projects. They can really make sure that project stays in budget and keeps you from getting down that scope creep that, like you mentioned, those kind of scope creep are just devastating because what yeah. you've spent in your case, you mentioned the 15 million, you know, it's hard to, to turn back. But man, to, to, to overrun a budget like that is just devastating to the financials of a company. So a, a great leader is a great investment for such an initiative. Yeah. You know who loves scope creep? In my, in my experience, I'm sure we have the same answer. Consultants. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah right. they, they love scope creep because that's just the gift that keeps on giving. That's right. You know, a lot of times I see companies that they'll, the company that sold them the system they'll have them be the manager for the implementation. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's kind of like the wolf guard in the hen house. Yep, so, exactly. you know, you need an unbiased leader that says, I'm going to manage that implementation to make sure they stay uh, on budget on on time. Yeah, yeah. Hey, great conversation. So, you know, Mark, as you think back, people who are listening to this podcast, what's the most important thing that you want listeners to take from this conversation? Be strategic, not scattered. You know, a disciplined leadership doesn't ever want that to happen, but you have to have the right plan and be strategic and stick with that. Don't let yourself become undisciplined. Yeah. It's the key to keeping your cost uh, contained. It's the key to keeping your, your business growing. So be strategic and stay focused. Okay. Hey, I appreciate it. Hey, great conversation, Mark. So how can listeners who are interested in kind of what you do and your expertise, how can they contact you? My organization is very focused on and making sure we have a great customer experience from the very first contact we have with a, with a potential client. So what we don't want is people to call and have to deal with a receptionist or a phone system tree. So we try to make it really simple. So we just say, if you go to our website, which is xtrii.com, X-T-R-I-I.com, go to our website and the contact us section, just click on that form and tell us what your needs are. And the neat thing is it routes to the right expert and immediately contacts them and they will 
promptly call you back and engage with you. So we want you to have that, that prompt, easy uh, method for connecting with an expert. So our website's the easiest way to connect with the right expert. Of course, you're always welcome to call us. Our phone number is 512-537-3757. Or I always like talking to our customers. So please feel free to contact me directly. Uh, you can email me at mark at x3.com. So I look forward to talking with them. Yeah, and x3 is x-t-r-i-i.com. That's dot correct. Com. Okay. Hey, Mark, really appreciate your time and sharing your experience from the School of Hard Knocks. So I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. My pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a great week. For joining us on Real Business in Real Time with Executive Coach Dr. Mark Hinderleiter. Be sure to connect with Mark Hinderleiter on LinkedIn, check out his leadership tip of the week, and subscribe to this podcast on the app of your choice. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.